Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Thanks for downloading Changing Politics. This is a political podcast hosted by me, comedian Gronje Maguire, and journalist Marie LeConte that chats about the week's news and highlights issues that you, yes, you, can make a difference to. Now, because the first half of each week is topical chat, we reckon you might not be bothered to download old episodes. Some of them are so old, they were recorded back when Boris Johnson was in the Cabinet. So while we're off over the summer, we're re-releasing all the features we've done on how you can get involved in changing the way politics works in this country, which are less topical than the first bit of the show. They're only 10 to 15 minutes long, so we hope you enjoy this new bite-sized form. This podcast is the feature from the third episode we did and it's quite harrowing in parts. It's about refugees. We spoke to a Syrian refugee called Hamada as well as Lord Dubbs who came to the UK in 1939 as a refugee himself and who has campaigned for refugees' rights for decades. At the time of recording, it was estimated that there were 90,000 child refugees in Northern Europe. So here, from July 13th, 2018, is our feature on what you can do to help refugees. So, the big topic we're tackling this week is immigration and the refugee crisis, and specifically the attitudes British people have towards people coming to the country. Well, I have some stories about British people reacting negatively to immigrants, but they're specifically just about me. Oh, what was your immigrant journey like? Oh my God, it was just a classic. Imagine just Saoirse Ronan playing me. Uh, I arrived mid-noughties. I had to live in North Finchley for a while. Christ. I was sleeping on a couch. It was really, really brutal. Marie, what was yours like? How delayed was that Eurostar? Oh God, actually weirdly not delayed, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, so tough, you know, taking the train from my hometown to Paris, taking a cab across oh. Paris from one station to the other, taking the Eurostar, and then actually taking another cab where the cab driver called me love. And yeah, no, awful that you like, you know, go see several houses, end up in Swiss Cottage, which is, in fact, the single most boring bit in London. You know, I'm still still recovering from that in many ways, you know, nine years on. But isn't that, obviously, there are loads of media tropes about refugees and immigrants. So if you believe everything you read in the tabloids, immigrants are to blame for rising house prices, NHS funding shortfalls, and the dumbing down of the BBC. So, wow, us immigrants are busy people. Take a day off, guys. This week, we thought we'd tackle some of those tropes head on. We've got an interview with Hamada, a Syrian refugee who has come to the UK and we're going to try to answer some of the media's biggest questions and accusations with the first-hand experiences of someone who's actually lived through it all. So, Gronje, you're going to have to be our tabloid headline shelter. 
providing the angriest anti-immigrant and refugee viewpoints. It's what I was born to do. <laughs> and as we're actually recording this on July 12th, an Irish person screaming angry things is very on point. <laughs> so why do people want to leave Syria? Why don't they stay and fight? This is the first question people ask about refugees. We talked to Lord Dubbs, who has done a lot of work on refugees and was a refugee himself. There are a number of reasons why people leave. It's fear of war, it's persecution, it's fear of torture and imprisonment. I was talking to a Syrian boy who'd seen his father killed in front of him in Aleppo. Pretty horrific stories. Threats from the Taliban to young men who'd, who'd fled westwards from Afghanistan. So a whole range of reasons. But mostly it's a combination of war, violence, threats and persecution. It's too easy to get into Europe. We shouldn't give them an incentive. People then realise how hard it is to get here. We spoke to Hamada, a Syrian refugee who arrived in the UK a month ago. It, it takes like uh, three weeks. You know media sometimes they're talking about when refugee pass to, for example, Greece, pass to Europe. Some guys they think it's like a tourism journey, but unfortunately it was like I can't say it, a death journey, because some guys, they died in the sea, they, some guys, they died in the, in the journey. So when I, when I moved to Turkey and you ask how you can go, for example, to Greece, you see the smuggler and they take you in like a big truck. In big truck, they put like almost 200 person. In one truck, it's like small truck, not that big. You have just to be stand up, they drive you like Maybe, uh, no, it's like, some, when I was like five hours, you have to be standing. And it was horrible because there is no space to sit, even, even no standing because there is kids, there is families. No one told me about this. If I know this, really, I don't. So I'm not going to do it. But what happened, you have to do it. So then they put you in the, the small uh, boat and almost like 40, sometimes 50. Like there is kids, there is families. So, in that time, it was the weather is, wasn't fine because, because we waited almost two days because the weather was very bad. But we slept like two days there, no food. And I was amazed, like amazed because it was very horrible, very hard. I, I didn't know about that. I thought it's like tourism trip. You, you take the boat and you will go. No, it's not like this. So, we were like almost 45. When the mini boat uh, walked with us and we are in the sea, they, t like they told us it takes like one hour. It takes more than that. And the first one hour, like the water ca came in the boat. You feel like, oh, I'm going to die soon. I'm going to die soon. Why? Why? So what we, we did, we caught like half a bottle of water and we tried to throw water out, throw water out. You need to save your life. So we did it first time in... It was okay, then after like 15 minutes, the same. A big wave came in, and then we saw guys throw. They have some guys, uh, some people, they have some bags. So they throw the bags out because, you know, the bags are going to be wet and they're going to be more heavy. So second time, again, water. We throw the water. Then the third time, water. Then you say, okay, maybe we aren't safe. Let's, we are closed now. So after like... Another, like one hour, the machine stopped and we stuck. We tried to call the like Turkish uh, numbers, like for emergency help us. They didn't answer. We tried to do the Greece one. They didn't answer. 
So one man, he used to work like a mechanic. So he tried with it like almost 15 minutes. Then it worked. So we landed in the Greece. And there we saw some amazing uh, volunteers, really. They give us like some blanket. They give us some, like, uh, when you saw this in your eyes, when you see it, some guys that look after you, uh, sell you things, they are like, look like angels. Then we, you have to move to Macedonia. We take like ferry to Athens. From Athens, we talk to Macedonia. Macedonia, we feel we aren't welcome there because they look at all. Oh, we are stranger. Some even in our journey, some guys they think, oh, we are like tourism. They ask you for money, but for example, you don't have money. So we try to move quickly as soon as possible. So and we move to Serbia. The same situation. If you need to go from Serbia to Croatia, you have even to pay more money. So from Croatia, we moved to Slovenia. So from Slovenia, we moved to Austria. To Austria was, okay, not bad situation, but my, like, my plan just I want to go to like United Kingdom. So from Austria, we moved to Germany. Then we moved to France, France to Calais. Now from Calais until the UK, this is another ch challenge. It was very hard. Why do they want to come here? They could just stay in Hungary and Austria. This is technically true, but there are reasons why people might want to come to the UK. Here are Lord Dubs in Himada. What is it about the UK? Well, sometimes it's a historic thing that they've long thought about the UK as being the place if they can find safety they'd like to go to. Sometimes they've got more sense of the English language than they have of other languages. Sometimes it's because they have relatives who've made it to the UK. But I'm bound to say, because by the time they get to Calais, they're UK-bound if they can possibly do it. But talk to the people in the camps in Greece, the majority want to go to Germany. And I think Germany has now become much more of a target, partly because they know people in Germany because of the numbers Germany has taken, partly because they have a sense the Germans look after them well. But the, but the UK still has this tremendous pull. I was at a place for child refugees in, in Belgium a few months ago, and they all, a lot of them had set their sights on coming to the UK. So I think it's a combination of tradition, language, the sense that they have freedom here and that they know people here. It was like a hope when I was almost in secondary school, when we started about, we used to study even when we used to study English. I remember when they told us about UK, about especially England, London, how is human right there, how there is a Hyde Park, and there is like called a corner in the Hyde Park, and you can talk whatever you want, no one gonna blame you, and you will get like this freedom. I say, oh my God. So of course I'm gonna, I wish if I'm gonna get to England. They got to the jungle, why don't they just stay there? Well, they can't because it's been destroyed, but Alf went to visit several refugee camps around Europe. The first time when the jungle was there, quite a large area, there were, there were perhaps eight or 9,000 or more people living there, quite a few children, but mainly young men. And it was pretty depressing. Uh, there were ramshackle sort of tents and things. In the middle of the, of, of the jungle, there was a little shopping street, and they had on display tear gas canisters and rubber bullets. And I said, what were they for? Well, they said the French, then French government tried to clear part of the camp, and to clear the people out, they used tear gas and rubber bullets. Why did they do that? Well, because the National Front are quite strong in that part of France, and the French government wanted to demonstrate they could be tough. Well, it seems to me, you don't beat the National Front by behaving like they would. And then the third time I went, the jungle had been totally cleared, people had been dispersed, but some had made their way back to the Channel Coast and then just sleeping under trees. Now, in warm weather, sleeping under trees is tolerable but awful, 
In cold weather, it's very, very depressing indeed. This isn't our problem. Well, it's a big problem and everyone needs to do their part. Worldwide, there are probably over 30 million refugees, plus about over 30 million displaced persons. That's people who fled for safety to another part of their own country. So it's about 65 million altogether. I don't know quite what the latest figures are in Syria. I know there are about 3 million in Turkey, a million in Jordan, a million in Lebanon, that's 5 million, and uh, probably about a million have worked their way to Europe. If you see the exploitation and the try Imagine what's going to happen, for example, for kids if they have in this situation, for example, in Greece, how many kids there are there and how many uh, women, girls there. But just imagine what, what this word means. Like I'm, I'm young, uh, I'm young uh, guy, and I, when I cross on, I used to see, I used to see really, unfortunately, so many like exploitation. This would happen in one country. They told me, I can't help you to get a passport for this European country. I'm not going to name which country, but you have to marry me. I, uh, excuse me, I would like, if I'm going to marry in the future, I'm going to marry a girl. So I, he told me in our country, the men can marry together. I say, yeah, but please. So this would happen for like men, young men. So what about these kids? What they can see in, in their journey, some guy, they are, some people, some girls, they stuck, really. Okay, so what can we do? Well, here's what Hamada said helped him. The hard thing is to find accommodation at the beginning, because at the beginning, yeah, they you came here, you you will find accommodation, they give it to you, but after when you get the visa, in 28 days, they tell you you have to leave your room. So yeah, this is a, like issue, a big thing to worry about, because if you have no friends, it's hard. Where, where do you go? In that time when I had this situation, I remember here in the UK, even especially, there is a very good organization called Refugees at Home. If they see your situation, you need help, they try their best, and really they helped me to find, like, even in the beginning you need to learn about language, to find job. So this what they helped me, really. They did a very good job. And Lord Doves has four things he wants you to do. One is that they should approach their MP and ask them whether they will go on giving support to Section 67 of the Immigration Act. Some people call it the Dubs Amendment, but the media have done that. I don't call it that. Because the government put a cap on it at 480. And frankly, we believe local authorities are able to provide foster care support for more than that number. So point one is to ask them to keep Section 67 of the Immigration Act open, not allow the government to stop it. Secondly, we passed an amendment here recently that for children who have relatives here under the Dublin Treaty, we've passed an amendment to the Leaving the EU Bill to say the government must negotiate for us to continue to be part of the Dublin Treaty. So children who have relatives in one EU country can join those in another, and once we've left the EU, it should still be possible for those children who've got relatives here to come here as if we were in the EU under those provisions, okay? So that's the second ask. The third ask is that there is a limited scheme whereby Britain takes refugees under the vulnerable person scheme from camps in Lebanon, Jordan and Turkey, that scheme will come to an end in 2020. And they should, people should ask their MPs to keep the, vulnerable, the Syrian vulnerable person scheme open so that we can go on bringing people, a limited number of people, from the region. And fourthly, 
I'd like people to uh, lobby their local councillors and their local authorities and ask them what they're doing to take refugees, to take both child refugees and to take refugee families. So that's what you can do this week. If you can donate even a little bit of money to Refugees at Home, they will help refugees get on their feet. Their website is refugeesathome.org. You can also donate phone credit to refugees in Calais through phone credit for refugees at pc4r.org. Because imagine spending three weeks getting to Calais from Syria. How much would it mean to speak to your mum? And it's so easy. Text CALA85 plus the amount you want to donate. For example, C-A-L-A 85, pound sign 5270070. And don't forget to contact your MP or local council like Lord Dubs asked. Thanks for listening to this feature-only episode of Changing Politics. You can follow us on Twitter at Changing Polypod and Facebook Changing Paul for more information, including when we'll be back with new full episodes. Until then... Thanks for listening. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.